going to um, shift gears a little bit here. We're going to uh, move into a time of hearing from God's Word. Um, and before we have the reading, I'm just going to introduce you to um, our preacher this morning, which is a great friend of ours, Michael Goodman. Come, come on up and I'll give you an intro um, as you do. So um, Michael has been, it won't sound like it, but he's been here for 18 years in this country, but he's one of my brethren um, back from the States. And, uh, and he has been doing amazing ministry, especially with um, students in international kind of mission uh, organization that, um, I'm just reminding myself of the name of it. You, well, he, you'll, you'll say a bit more about that, but he's been here serving with them as a missionary for 18 years, and he's been kind enough to come and speak to us um, on a passage that I'm gonna read in just a minute, but, but he's got a bit of intro to, to that. And if you could just tell us a little bit about who you are and, uh, and the ministry or, or perhaps what you what you enjoy most about the, the ministry that God's brought you to uh, this country for. That would be great to hear that. Thanks, Michael. As he said, my wife, Susan, and I, well, we first came to Edinburgh, Scotland in 2002, and we came with children that were 10, 8, and 6, and those children are now a lot older. And so they're, they're, um, two of them are back in America, and one has stayed here. But we work with the International Mission Board, which is... Uh, your Baptist friends from America, and so they graciously have sent us here and take care of us. And for the first um, probably 12 years, we worked with university students. It's what we did in America also. It's just like being a university minister, and we did a ministry at Kingston University in Roehampton, and that was incredible. And about seven years ago, our organization asked us to do a thing called pastoral care for our workers across Europe, because uh, my wife is a counselor and I guess I'm a, I'm a minister, so I can give them some biblical things. But, but we meet with our people all across Europe and help them as they come to life. We, we help them try to stay on the field. We help them with kid issues and marriage issues and partner issues. And, and just so it's a joy to see them, and it's a joy when they get to stay with us and be here. Recently, about the last year, the Lord led my wife and I to an Iranian ministry that we do downtown. And it's, it's just full of Iranian refugees. We've baptized about 50 of them since October, and it's, it's been amazing just to see. I, I still don't really understand a word of Farsi, but they do let me preach sometimes, and they interpret, and, um, but God's Spirit is there, and you can just sense it, and He's moving. And for us that are, that are just here, we can't even begin to understand their stories of how they got here, and I would have never said that that's what I would be doing today, but it's been very amazing just to see God work and to hear their needs and to pray with them to see God work in their lives. So that's kind of where we are today. And as we look at the scripture today, I just want to acknowledge that as we come to church, we only hear from God because he's God, because he speaks through his word and he wants to show up and he wants to show us things for our lives. He's the God that loves us and he wants to lead our lives. So today we're going to look at Acts 2. And I want you to know that God wants us to continually, uh, that word sanctified, you know, when we become a Christian, it, we are sanctified before God, but it's something that we're always becoming. Because you can only be sanctified as you're as, from God. He's the only one that can do that with your life. And so as we come to church, it's not to be entertained, but just to hear from the word of God. 
and to have that applies to our life. I often tell people, if I want to know how to live a great life, I'll just watch Oprah, you know, but I really want to know how the Bible applies to my life and how that changes my life, and so that's why I'm at church. So at Acts 2 tonight, I just want to set the stage. Ten days before this passage, Jesus had ascended to heaven. He had been with his disciples and followers for, for 40 days, and then he went back to heaven, and he told his followers, it's good for you that I go to heaven so that the Holy Spirit can come to earth. So in chapter 1 of Acts 2, Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in all the earth. And before that, in John 16, uh, 5 through 10, this is what he said. He said, I'm, But now I'm going away to the one who has sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of his sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. So Jesus was telling them this is God's great plan for humanity. And that's where we pick it up in Acts 2, 1 through 21 today. Thanks, Michael. Let me read this out. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came toward, uh, together in be- bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these speaking Galileans? And how is it that each one, one of us hears in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygria and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood, and before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
I just want to also acknowledge and say, um, y'all have great pastors and Nate, and Nate and Mary, and they're in, they're incredible people, and they love this community, and they love you. And every time I'm with them, I am so impressed just by their love of God and their love of people, and just um, their just their patience and love for people around them. And and so y'all are so blessed. And so I challenge y'all just keep loving them. And, uh, and let's keep them here a long time because they are wonderful, incredible people, so. So, so, this, was, um, so this was preached there, and that main lesson it said, but all, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a very important verse to get in your mind because it, it just gives us the truth there. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. God in his perfect plan sent the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Bible says that day it sounded like a violent rushing wind that came through more than we could ever hear probably. There were about 120 followers of Jesus that day right there. And by the end of the day, there were 3,000 followers of Jesus. But when, so when this happened, uh, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they started speaking in different languages. And in God's wisdom, the Bible says they, there were devout Jews right there listening. And you know, devout Jews believed in God, but they didn't believe in the Messiah. They didn't believe in Jesus. So they were right there listening to this. God was making a way for all people, including Jewish people, his chosen people to know who God is and what he had done through Jesus. So what was that Jewish response that day? You know, one, one of the guys says, hey, we hear this in our own language. How can that be? Because you remember what happened in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. They, the people thought they were so smart, and they were building this tower to heaven. And God said, wait a minute. They, these people are doing this for their glory. This has to be for my glory. And so he confused the languages, and, and that's how it was at that time. So for them to hear this in their own language was quite a miracle. So on Pentecost, God is saying, I want you to understand I'm going to let you hear the language, but it'll be for my glory. It's for you to know who Jesus really is. So, um, and then one of the Jewish people said, hey, well, these people must be drunk. And so, so that's when, you know, Peter got up and, and preached, and he said, hey, guys, number one, if, if they're drunk, usually you don't speak in another language. And number two, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. What do you think these guys have been doing? So, so God was providing a way for the Jewish people at that time to hear about Jesus in their own language. And some of them did believe that day, but a large portion rejected it. It says in the book of Joel, it says, In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old man will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before, before the great and gl glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that statement comes back again even, even here. You know, the, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, so on that day, that was, that was an amazing day because about 3,000 people did become Christians that day. You know, that day changed history because it was the day that finally said the only way to God is through Jesus. And it's a gift. It's not something that you work for. It's not something you do go by keeping all the laws at church. It's not even something you get by going to church. 
is by accepting Jesus as your Savior and believing that he died for you on the cross and he raised again and he went back to the Father. So the Holy Spirit is what I want to focus on today. And, and as you think about the Holy Spirit, he's known by many names and titles. And most of those uh, denote something of his ministry. Jesus' name for the Holy Spirit, and this is the next slide, is the paraclete. John 15, 26, he says, When the paraclete comes, and this is Jesus talking, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father will bear witness about me. So in biblical times when they had court, they had someone, an advocate that would stand there with you, and he would be your advocate, he would encourage you, he would go before the judge with you and, and say, hey, this person's not guilty because. And much like this, Jesus is saying, this is what the Holy Spirit's gonna do for you. He's coming to say, this person is not guilty of sin before God because of Jesus, because he died for you and this person believed in that. So, so he's called to help us and come alongside us. There's four titles for the Holy Spirit in the Bible, and it, and it says, the next slide, it says they're the, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Those are pretty big titles, aren't they? Because that just describes God and, and the Trinity and all his power. It's everything we could ever ima imagine. There's seven names for the Holy Spirit in the Bible. They are, they are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. Amazing things that we want in the God that we trust. Because he's going to be ever so faithful to bring all those to our lives. Some of his traits that we look at that are found throughout the scripture. Number one, he's the author of scripture. We, you know, we believe the Bible is literally God-breathed that he inspired the people that wrote the Bible to write down the words he wanted them to write and to bring out on the pages. We don't believe, you know, that Mark and Luke just sat down and said, I'm going to write what I want. We believe that, that God inspired them, and he wrote that. That's why the Bible is the only book you can read, and a, a lot of people in here probably try to read it every year or read portions of it daily. It can speak to us all differently because it's a living, breathing uh, instrument of God. He speaks to us through his word. And so you might be reading Acts 3, and I might be reading Acts 3, but we come ac across saying, God really spoke to me about this. That's the Holy Spirit working inside you, speaking to you, giving you testimony that the truth is the truth. And so, so don't uh, forsake that. Know that God wrote that, and it's active and living and breathing. The second thing is that he's our comforter, our counselor, our advocate. All three of those words are translated back into paraclete. And so when Jesus went away, remember, his disciples were really distressed. They were very, very sad. And he said, I'm going to send you someone else that's going to comfort you, and it's going to be better. And, and so the Spirit bears witness with our spirits. You know, um, there's a lot of sadness going on in the world. There's a lot of things that are in our lives that nobody knows that we might struggle with or things we have to face with, whatever. But God knows all that. And he bears witness. And we, we better be sure that we're reading the word of God and we're praying and we're listening to him because that's where we're going to get our strength and truth. And so it's really important, even if you're just reading a small portion of scripture every day, meditate that, you know, think about it. You know, the, the Muslims um, pray five times a day. And 
and I know that that's a whole different subject to get into. They do pray five times a day, though. What if we like took time to read our scripture and prayed five times a day ourselves? Or what if we read the same scripture five times? I think how that could permeate our hearts and our minds. And so I would just encourage you, just keep truth going in your mind. Because we are in a world where people are struggling with everything from anxiety to to a lot of things, and we don't get get our information from the right source and don't get our heart stuff from the right source, and that's through Jesus. He also is the convictor of sin. You know, the Spirit applies to your heart in ways that only you know. <laughs> and he's going to apply that. He's going to convict you of sin for things that um, it might be different for different people. I'm not saying like murder and lying and uh, all that kind of stuff is right for anyone. But I'm just saying there's, there's some things are small that you're thinking, oh, that's not a big deal. But if the Holy Spirit convicts you it's a big deal, it's a big deal. And you should do it, you know. Um, I, do, I do have three grown kids, but I remember growing up, I mean, when they were growing up, and I guess I was too. But they, um, when, they when we got... Um, you know, when I lost my temper or whatever, I remember apologizing to my kids at the time, thinking, oh, gosh, you know, I really lost it there. Who's the child? And so um, God's going to convict you of things, whether it's with a neighbor or with a coworker or with your husband or wife, whatever. He's going to convict you. Follow those, because I promise you, the more you follow God and listen to his voice, the more you're going to hear that more, and you're going to want to follow that more. So just follow that. He also is our deposit and our seal, um, you know, Jesus said, I'm sending this, and it's th I'm sending the Holy Spirit, and he's the deposit for you. His claim is that this is my very own people. You know, probably when um, the, the, cross, the cross brought it all together, you know, Jesus died on the cross. That was God's promise, eternal life, that I'm dying for you. Probably the most expensive thing that we as guys will ever buy is an engagement ring for our wife. And at that time, it doesn't matter if you've been dating six years, you barely know the woman because she changes. You know, the woman I'm married to 35 years later is not the same woman I married. And so, because life, we all change so much. But you're buying her this engagement ring that is, you know, like a lot of money. And you're thinking, okay, I really love her. I want to give her this. But that's what Jesus did for us. He paid this whole price for us, and he gave us the Holy Spirit. And he says, this is your deposit as you listen to the Holy Spirit, know that the things for the future are true. The things about heaven are true. So listen to the Spirit. You know, those that don't belong to Christ don't have an interpreter. The Holy Spirit is not living inside them. And so, so it doesn't make sense to them when you'll say things about the Holy Spirit talking to you. And that's a, that's a big whole subject uh, that I'm sure they talk about in Alpha and stuff too. But it's, it's a huge thing because... Our Holy Spirit speaks to us in ways that we can't imagine. And then the next thing is, he's our intercessor. This is one of the most encouraging things to me. It says that the intercessor, the Holy Spirit, prays and groans for us in words we don't even understand. So when you're going through something really hard or you're just going through life, know that the Holy Spirit is praying for you in ways you don't even understand. And, some, and sometimes we don't get what we pray for, but sometimes that's God saying, you need to trust me. Don't trust yourself. Trust me. I have all this under control. You know, we, we pray for all kinds of things, and they don't happen. But maybe in the end, that's to bring God glory in everything, every part of our life. The, the next thing it says he is, is he's our teacher. Jesus promised that the Spirit would teach his disciples all things, and, it, and, and that they'll bring it to remembrance. 
Do you know I've been a university minister for a long, long time, but what I really encourage university students to do is memorize scripture. Because I promise you, the older you get, it's harder. But also, that scripture that you're memorizing, I still recall that from when I was in university. And that's been a few years. And so, but, but those things still come back to you because when you put it in your heart, it's there. And I love it when you have an old person that may have Alzheimer's or dementia and they're in the last days of their life or the last year of their life. They may know nothing else, but they can recite scripture. You know, they can recite hymns that they did because that's your soul inside, that's your heart, that's Jesus and the Holy Spirit really coming out of him. And so put that scripture in your heart. If you've never memorized scripture, I would challenge you to do that. You know, I do it by, uh, I like to run, and most of those runs are turning into walks now, but I use little index cards, and I just roll through them, and I just memorize them and, and try to memorize them. And I promise you it's harder when you get older, but the more you put it in your heart, the better it is for your life because there's a lot of junk that comes at you every day, and the more you can have real scripture talking to you, the more you can realize God's word is live and it's, it's changing your life. So I would challenge you to do that. that let, let Jesus be, be your teacher. The other thing is he's our witness. Um, the Spirit is called witness because he verifies and he testifies to the fact that we are children of God, that Jesus and the disciples who performed miracles were sent by God, and that the books of the Bible are divinely inspired. By giving those gifts to the spirit of believers, he witnessed to us and to the world that we belong to God. That's, that's such a big thing, you know, that we share our lives with non-believers because he's, he's our witness. And, and he, will, he will let us witness to other people too. I think, thinking about the scripture today, you have to understand the Bible is a complete work of God. So things in the Old Testament were a run-up to things in the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, we have the festival of Pentecost. And today we're talking about Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, a day like no other, the day of Pentecost. So the Pentecost in the Old Testament was the day when everyone came together. And remember when, um, when, they, when Moses had told them, you know, put the blood on the doorpost and we're going to pass through. And if you have that blood there, that's going to save you. Your firstborn's not going to die. Today, Christ laid down his life for us. And as the, the, everything passes over, we're going to live also. When, so he sets us free from the evil one. That's, that's amazing, that things that start in the Old Testament or the New Testament, things have changed. Acts 2 says God's salvation is a complete salvation, and it leads us to the Spirit. One of the immediate consequences of the Holy Spirit is that it gave his people power. Remember, after Jesus died, what did Peter and all the disciples do? They all went to hide. They didn't know what to do. They were in despair. When the Holy Spirit came, the same group, they had been scared when Jesus went back to heaven. They had been frightened, disheartened, and they were, they were um, discouraged. But in Acts chapter 2, 11, it says, But now they received courage to speak openly of the mighty works of God. Peter, who a little over seven weeks ago had dared not to confess the Lord Jesus before a little servant girl, now he boldly proclaimed the scripture that we read today. And he said, before the man of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, he got up there and spoke and said exactly who Jesus was. And he was not ashamed of it. So something really important for us to grasp as followers of Jesus is our relationship with God. You know, as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, God's spirit lives inside us. We're the only way to God that does that, that says that. You know, no other group says that. Most other groups say you have to do works to get to God. 
the Holy Spirit, and Jesus says, I'm going to live inside you. I'm going to make you mine. I'm going to dwell there. The something better that was talked about in Hebrews, it talks about a spiritual union between us and God. That's the something better with our exalted Christ. So the main change is the fact that God's presence was no longer centered in the temple. Remember in the Old Testament, as you're reading through there, all the laws, all the things they had to do at the temple. Every year they had to do the Holy of Holies. They had to do all these things. And Jesus says, that's the end. When Christ died on the cross, the temple and the entire sacrificial system was over because Jesus, Jesus became everything for us. And indeed, at the very moment Jesus died, remember the temple curtain divided from the top to the bottom? And God was saying, this is a new way. It ripped. By this, God put the temple aside, and the dwelling place was in his people. So, so we were sanctified by God's blood, and we have a new home on earth. And when you think about that, it changes everything. You know, we, we, I love church buildings, and I love to be in church. But the church is inside us, and, and it's God's spirit living inside us. Um, but, but it's important to have churches for people to come to, so don't hear me wrong. So, but this was like unlike anything in the Old Testament. The church and not the temple is now God's permanent home. That's an awesome truth. It's taught two times in Scripture. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, it says, Don't you know uh, that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? The truth is repeated in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have received from God? The truth is never articulated that way in the Old Testament. But the reality of the Spirit's dwelling in the congregation is repeated many times in the New Testament. He's saying, you are mine. You, you are it. So, so there's two implications. And as I think about that, there, there's a picture up here. Will you show that, that next one? Okay, these just happen to be my little grandkids. And so my little little granddaughter is 22 months old and my grandson is five months old. He was just like a month old there. But, but these are like um, amazing. They're my heart and joy, you know. We, they live in America and we see them, we'll see them in August, but we talk to them almost every day. But you know, they're mine. You know, nothing can take that away from me. They're, they're mine, I claim them. How much more does God claim us? when we say we are the children of God. He loves us much more than I could ever love them. He takes care of us much more than I could ever take care of them. And, and, but, but God is saying that, you are mine. Don't be messing around with the world. Know your body is the temple of God. Come to me, stay with me, spend time with me. That's how you're gonna know me. So there's two realities. One is the reality of the spirit living inside you. And, and that has huge implications. New Testament believers, have what Old Testament believers did not have, namely union with Christ through the Spirit. Um, the author of Hebrews said that God had planned something better for the future, and this is the something better. It means that as Christians, we've been given new hearts on which God, um, the God can put his law. He can write new things on our hearts. It means we can get rid of the old hearts and into new hearts. It means we've been adopted as the family of God. And the second thing is related to the implication that the outpouring of the Spirit um, is truly ushered in a new age. The Spirit coming down to live in the church means that the church becomes a separate, independent unity. This is really important because it's unlike anything that ancient Israel ever was. You know, the religion, even God's, God's chosen people, it was all rooted in a people. But today, he says, this crosses all races, all nations. I am open to all of you. I'm giving you this precious gift of Jesus for anyone. 
And so as I meet someone that's a different race or a different color, and they're Christian, we are brothers in Christ. You know, there's, there's nothing, a religion like that, the national thing is gone. Um, that's really important. So this unity is the unity not in race but in the spirit. That verse, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is so important. And guys, I don't know about you, but God, I, I know God is working always around, around our scenes. Um, I mean, Nate was telling me about some things that happened in his, his neighbors this week that was really sad. God is working still, you know, and he's working in people's lives around you. Um, some of the things I hadn't told you about, like working with Iranians, you know, they do have dreams. They do, they do um, see things that I've never experienced. They have left home or left their parents or left a father's, left a wife with two kids just so they can get to a better place and have freedom. And so it's a, it's a different world out there. So today as we close, I'm going to ask Nate to come back up and just to close us out. But just for, for you guys to know, the Holy Spirit wants to lead your life. Uh, he was talking about gracious gifts today. This is the best gift that we could ever receive.